Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. everyone. Good day. And thank you so much for tuning into the Stitch Please podcast, the, the, pod, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group with Black Lives Matter. I, I know I say this every week and I know y'all must hopefully believe me when I say it because I am incredibly sincere when I say that I am excited to get with y'all every week and to have this conversation. And I am especially thrilled to be talking today with Malaysia Anderson of Lily's Creations. Um, Malaysia's work is exquisite. I think her style is a combination, at least in my view, of, of African prints meets a kind of vintage look. She has these absolutely beautiful silhouettes um, in a variety of collections that she has designed and sewn and sold over the years. And so I am so happy to be able to welcome Malaysia to the program today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited so to I, talk to you guys. I am so excited too. And I'm I'm hoping that there's folks who um, are familiar with your work. Um, and if not, well, I will include links to a variety of so many things that she has done. But I wanted to kind of begin with, where does your sewing story begin? How did you get started sewing? Well, my, my sewing story um, began with my mother. My mother um, would make our clothes as a kid. Um, I grew up in a time where, you know, you, were, you ate dinner, had a bath, and was in the bed, whether you were asleep or not, by about 7.30 at night and she would take that time to uh, do all the things that she liked to do which included sewing and a lot of times she would make us dresses and things like that and hang them on our door all ready for the next day to be worn to school and I just thought that was just you know magical (laughs) and so as I got older um, probably around about nine ten years old I wanted to learn how to sew. Um, I didn't necessarily want my mother to teach me herself how to sew. I had, you know, I, I felt like my mom probably would have cracked the whip a little bit, and I would have been like, nope. <laughs> so I, we had 4-H um, in my town at that time. Um, I'm in, I live in Roosevelt, New York, and it used to be right above the European bank that used to be in Roosevelt. And uh, they offered... A variety of classes, and one included sewing. My sewing teacher's name was Mrs. Taylor, and um, that's where I actually learned how to sew. My first year sewing under her tutelage, and then every summer thereafter, I would help her teach the other kids how to sew. 
and you know she became a longtime family friend and that's where my sewing um, began and I would compete um, at State Fair up in Albany and compete to go and I, I won uh, my sophomore year in high school and I would make my clothes in high school and then my last year of high school I decided I wanted to go to FIT um, which was a daunting task because I wasn't you know the traditional I want to be a designer where I was drawing and designing I just loved to sew and it was just something I wanted you know, to do and my art teacher at the time his wife was a teacher at FIT so he asked her you know basically what are the criteria you know for someone to try and get into fashion design at FIT and then he would tailor my art classes around that to help me um, gain a little bit of drawing and and design technique in high school so that I would be proficient enough to take the test I knew that my sewing part I I knew that part was fine it was the other aspects of like designing on the fly and the things that they made you do to get into FIT which was really competitive I don't know if they still do it that way but you had to take a test of design an outfit on the spot and then bring an outfit that you made and be interviewed and talk about that outfit and how you wow. construct it and I don't know if they still do it that way but that is how they did it back then and you're in a room full of, oh my gosh, maybe 50, 60 other people trying to get in uh, into the design program. And to my surprise, <laughs> I got in. And um, my, I, I, what's interesting about that is um, I took design for my first year and a half and it was it was intense and my sewing definitely rescued me in in many 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 ways I, but I wasn't a drawer I wasn't a person who could like just illustrate this beautiful thing and then you know turn it into a garment I was more of let me turn it into the garment and then draw it which is not you know how it's garnered in school so I think I, by my year and a half, I kind of got frustrated. I thought that it would get beyond my capabilities of being able to handle it. And I ended up uh, switching my major to uh, fashion buying and merchandising, which was cool, but not as creative. So that was it just was different in that sense. Um, so I had maybe one year and a half, almost two years of fashion design from FIT. And later on in life, I went back for pattern making because I wanted to understand uh, fit and grading because I used to could take a commercial pattern and just I could mash up the patterns all together to create whatever the person was asking for I understood how to grade across the sizes to get that fit um, but I wanted to have a, a deeper knowledge of it so I took uh, pattern making and design which actually helps in what I do right now. And that's kind of how it all evolved based off my mother putting dresses on our door when we were little kids. That is fantastic. I mean, you described the magical, the first story you described definitely, definitely seemed magical. I definitely remember as a kid 
going to bed when I wasn't tired. Um, but I guess my mama was tired of me. That was the point. Um, it wasn't that, oh, it doesn't matter if three of y'all are tired or not. Oh, she <laughs> I am <did>. tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. And you're yeah, and exactly. what I'm trying to do has nothing to do with you. So yes. what you're going to yes. do, and it was always this rule of don't be making too much noise. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. I would be tired and my sister would talk my ear off and I would just be like, well, she just please. And other times, <laughs> you know, and other times it, it, it was like, why are we in here? You know, like, I think the sun is still out. The sun you know? was still out. In the summertime, the sun was still out. And my mother did not care. Okay. Did not care. She did not care. And so this, this, so this, for this bedtime, of course, let her create magic for you all. Right. Yes, you yes. go to bed and next thing you know, on your door, it's like a, whole a new, new outfit. It's hanging Something for you. Something yeah. for you to wear. It's just that's just a beautiful story. And then what you've described for us is this transit this transition from 4H to FIT. Like that was such a quick um a transformation. And mm-hmm. what sounds so beautiful about it is that you were able to begin your sewing time or your your sewing story um with a kind of formal instruction um that then you started teaching other kids. Yeah. You know, through 4-H, like you could be the assistant. Yeah. Um, and I'll include links in the show notes, y'all, for 4-H. It's, um, it's, it stands for, I think, what's the, one of the four? It's a, it's, if you imagine a clover yes, and each, it's a, it's a each leaf of the, of the clover, of the cl- mm-hmm. each leaf has an H, like heart, head, hand, and something. I forgot what the fourth one was, but it's about, it's about, they do farming, they do sewing, they do all types of um, domestic arts is the wrong word, but it's just something about basic, almost like what it takes to kind of build your own homestead, kind of. What are the kind of things you're going to need? So I know animal husbandry is a big part of it. Head, hands, and health. That's what it is. There you go. Thank you. See, spoken (laughs) like a true Um, (laughs) 4-H-er. And and so that's the, and it's a, they do a lot of youth programs, a lot of youth programs and summer camps and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, and then FIT is the Fashion Institute of Technology, which is in New York City. Um, 4-H is all around the country. Um, And FIT is the fashion school in New York. And I thought it was really cool that your high school teacher kind of had an in um, mm-hmm. not to kind of give you the hookup necessarily, but to give you the training that could help you build your profile. So yes, these he, are, he these gave were essential, the guidance. Yes, yes. Gave you guidance. Exactly. This isn't like, I know her, let her in. This is not that kind of situation. Um, but it's able, you, you were able to say, okay, my sewing is already good. My sewing is solid. What else do I need? Um, and so you had an art teacher who was able to say, okay, what you're going to need is some illustration skills. You're Mm going to need this, you're going to need that. And then you can practice that and work on that. Now, did you end up using the sketching and illustration skills? Do you still use those kind of things today or Uh, are you more, or do you do more of the kind of pattern, is pattern making more uh, of what you do now In, uh, in, in terms of the skills you retained from your time in school? I, I, it's, how can I say? Um, I think what I do now is I I tend to buy my fabric first, um, and then build it from that. 
Sometimes, yes, I will sit and I will sketch out. Once I've gotten all of the pieces of fabric that I, I think I want to use for a collection, I will sketch out and say, I'm going to do a dress, I'm going to do a skirt, I want to do this top, I want to do pants. I'm gonna, I do kind of do that. I also, if you follow me or go through my Instagram, I do actually keep pretty much the same aesthetic. So if it's a dress, it's going to be a specific dress. So it'll it could be either a remix dress or it'll be my Lily Afro Bell dress. And I'll just mix new fabric and new colors. So I, cause I felt that keeping a consistent look inside the brand is what keeps people to know who I am. And then I would build around it. So maybe I'll bring in pants or I'll bring in a, a, a blouse I've never done or, and maybe I may jazz it up with a different dress that I thought of or, but the but the basic vintage style dress and the skirt it's kind of like the staples and then I I build it around there um, and so I do I will sometimes I will sketch it out sometimes the fabric just kind of tells me it should be this or it should be that and then I just decide like what kind of dress or what kind of skirt or you know and then I also think about how everyone else will wear it um for me even though i'm not tall i have a just enough curve that i wait can wait a minute say, you're not you tall know, oh, no. I, i'm sorry you are not tall so one of the things <laughs> i love that we're going to talk about uh, y'all is on the list of things to discuss was her fashion photography because if you scroll through her page um she's got these gorgeous gorgeous photos vintage cars and on stairways and you know, and of course I want to get into some of the shoes and she's got these beautiful, beautiful photographs. There is no way I thought you were anything less than 5'11". I, I thought know. for you, I am sure. not tall and my photographer is I thought for sure you were tall. <laughs> I thought, this is news to me. I'm so glad you told me this because if I ever happen to meet you in real life, I think you I would be so be shocked. shocked. <laughs> I would just be like, wait a minute, this is not the same person because the person I'm well, meeting I is like six feet tall. I probably will have on heels now because I will wear heels to an event. I don't <laughs> For that very reason, I am not tall. Um, but And I have hips and I have a small waist. So it actually helps uh, when I'm making something. If I can get it to fit me, because I'm very shallow, I have, I have fit issues that, you know, if I can get it to fit me and look nice, I pretty much know everybody else will be able to wear it because I'm not exactly an easy person to fit I'm not like straight or perfect or yeah I'm not that so <laughs> sorry not tall oh my gosh that is so that is so awesome no I and it, I guess like you said your photographer is the bomb as well as the pieces that you put together um I, I wanted to ask um you uh, ask you how would you consider your Afrobel dress one of your signature pieces. And I also like how you said you start with the fabric. Um, what you were describing earlier about pattern making and how that became um, most useful for you um, or in your current work right now as a designer, I thought that was really great because what, we, what we're learning now, at least those of us who are using big four patterns, they're now call it pattern hacking. And you can yes. actually buy yeah. a pattern and practice it. I think Simplicity has that pattern hacking line that gives yeah. you instructions mm -hmm. on how to change things around 
which is, you know, things that you've learned in school. And I don't know, I just thought that was interesting that, you know, this mix and match kind of thing is something that um, home sewers are now being encouraged to do formally. Yeah, yes. And I I think the commercial patterns, oh my gosh, they've, they've come so far and long in regards to design and fashion that they're offering now because now you know I, i'm like well i could just lay that down and make it okay whereas in the past i used to be like how many pieces i mash up four patterns to get there <laughs> you know so wow wow now and I, that's just what i would um i you know if i saw a picture in a magazine i could drape it i did take draping i have a draping form um but for, for offering things online, I feel like draping would take me too long. Like, I, I wouldn't, it would be too costly to drape each and every piece for each person. So I had to learn right. um, hacking and fit and measurements and things like that. I mean, someone can give me their measurements now and I can tell if you're wrong or not just from looking at it. I, I can just be like, no, I think you need to take that again. That, that doesn't aesthetically makes sense you can't be an inch apart on your bust waist and hip you're not a box that's not possible right so right i think pattern hacking and understanding um grading really helps i think that's one of the challenges people probably have in using a commercial pattern is not understanding how to cut it to fit their size they just take the pattern and they, let's say they'll cut an eight. I'm an eight. No, you're not. You're not an eight. You're not an eight. You're like a 14 in the hip, 10 in the waist, <laughs> and an yes. eight plus. Exactly. Uh, and, but, you know, there's no guide in that when you get a pattern. They don't tell you that. They don't say, before you touch this, you know, before you touch this, <laughs> look at the finished measurements. You know, you look at the measurements on the back of the envelope which are probably archaic. They, they probably are. have not updated that uh, at all. What did, I think I almost, it was something like if you are a size, I think they had something like for a size 16 or something was like, I think like a 33 inch or 34 inch waist. And I was just like, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to understand where is this coming That's from? That's not really a 16. That's really a 14. <laughs> it's just, it's it was it was some kind of just yeah, weird it, thing. It, it's that... very weird, or it's like a, a eight is really like a twenty eight inch waist in reality. But if you look at the right. pattern, you're like, where, where's the where's where's the twenty eight? Where, where, where is it? Well, you know, I don't have to worry a about a twenty eight. Like a thirty one. I... Like if you if you're really like a true no holds barred twelve. It's really like 31 inches. It's a perfect size 12 waist, literally. But if you're looking at the pattern, you're confused. Now you're 18. You're like, what? So you and, have and, to, uh, the finish measurements is what you need, not the actual envelope, the actual finish. Where does it finish at? Because you take that amount and you compare it to your own measurements and boom, now you know where to cut. Now you know how to cut it and not cut it wrong. And I think that sometimes it seems like because sizing is so different from, mm -hmm. at least from ready to wear, 
to commercial patterns that you can be a 12 in one person size Mm -hmm. or one company size. And then the same size, you could be an eight Mm -hmm. or you could be a 14. Mm -hmm. All of these things, like the numbers are just so random. Um, And so, and that's why I think it becomes so important, like you said, to, to measure for your measurements and to remember that no one is a standard body, you know? And I think no, that that's something that I think no, that that's so, that could be so stressful about sewing, unfortunately, is when you give the power to the pattern envelope mm-hmm. um, to, to say, well, this is, you know, you are imperfect because you are a blend of three different sizes. And it's like, no, no, I'm just, I'm not imperfect. I'm just a human being. And this block yes, was made for yes. someone who was a straw. And so... <laughs> Well, that's after why 1950, whatever. It's not even a new. Yeah, I like before people had you know refined carbohydrates. Um, I guess <laughs> right, and in their diet, corn syrup. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. So people were shaped differently. Um, I wanted to ask about this when you say beginning with the fabric. It seems like you let the fabric kind of speak to you. Yes. Uh, would you say that that's true? Because you have some absolutely stunning fabrics. And I wonder how you, what is your process for looking at a piece of fabric and knowing what it needs to be? Um, well, you're right in that. I do uh, let the fabrics uh, speak to me. I find that uh, African fabric, um, it's it has so much depth to it that um, I do try to keep the actual basis of the design simple so that you can actually see the, the beauty of the fabric instead of complicating it and then you you lose it all. Um, when I am when I am buying fabric, I kind of I do buy what I like in in a sense. Um, I I have a tendency of color matching with my eyes without realizing I'm blending everything together. So I can buy a piece of fabric. Let's say I, I, which, you know, I'll be at uh, BAM and they'll have a big African arts festival. I will see 12 yards of fabric and have no idea what it's going to be for, but I love it. I buy it. And as I go, I see stuff and I buy it. And then when it's time to form a collection, I'll pull out everything that I've bought and, and somehow there's a cohesiveness and color or it and it just happens very organically. Um, and then what I do is I, I kind of really look at it and say, you know what, that would make a really beautiful uh, skirt or this mixed with that would just make an awesome, you know, dress. So I, some of it is organic, just the fact that I, how I interpret the colors in my mind. And then um, I kind of, kind of go from there. So I don't buy the fabric all at one time. I actually buy it in pieces and stages as I go along and then um, build it. This spring, if if I get to it, I hope, (laughs) I actually bought my fabric from Spoonflower because I wanted oh. to try something different. Um, I always buy African fabric, and um, I was feeling a little frustrated with 
all of the flooding of African clothes that's in, in that's in the market right now that I wanted to just uh, try something different. So all of the fabric that I have for spring is actually from um, Spoonflower. It's um, let me look up her her name so I if when I say her name I actually say it correctly. Um, Katie is the designer of the fabric that I picked. I actually follow her. Uh, Katie Cormanart. Um, oh, Katie Corman. Yeah, I know who Corman. that is. Yeah, yeah Katie I Corman. actually follow her on uh, Instagram. I love all of her. I love all her prints and splashes of color, and I just think it's just so amazing. And I thought it would be cool to actually use fabric that was made by someone else as opposed to you know so and then I picked the different um like cottons and chiffons and things like that and and I still ended up blending the colors together even though you know I still ended up doing it anyway so if I lay it all out they all look like an easter egg rainbow oh I could probably (laughs) mix and match half of them together unknowingly just it's just the way my eye tends to uh, to play with the color. I think that keeping it organic in that way, and I just feel like the fabric shouldn't be so disturbed. I've seen people do so many things with it that you almost disturb the fabric, and it can't even really tell a story. And I kind of want to keep that, the artfulness uh, to the prints, and that's kind of where I, I allow it talk to me instead of me dictate what it's going to be. I think that that organic process that you describe is really beautiful. And you can see that for your overall aesthetic, it's absolutely working. Um, I was thinking about a post that you made back actually on my birthday, March 20th of this year. And you have this, you're wearing this um, fascinator that has like a net going down over your face. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a, I don't know what, I don't know what else to call it. I I think it's a fascinator. It's a fascinator. Mm -hmm. And then you have the bodice of the dress is in this bold red with white swatches. And then the skirt is black and white. I think never in a million years would I have thought to put a black and white skirt with a red, white, yellow, and black top. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, what is it? Was there a particular uh, story or something you were going for there? Because it just looks, it looks absolutely perfect but I never would have thought about putting those two things together how do you how do you get the fabric to um as you were saying you don't want to disturb the fabric I think that's a beautiful way to think about let the the fabric tell its own story Mm -hmm. um how do you manage to put these pieces together um in in a way that just works so perfectly um when I with that particular dress, um, at the time, I felt that my mixes were kind of doing the same thing. They were, you know, same color, um, big print, little print. And um, I wanted something that was mixed but not expected. Um, yeah. I know that black and white goes with pretty much anything. Um, so I had loved the black and white print itself. And then I just happened to see this red and it has hints of black in it and yellow and white. And I was like, oh, that's it. 
Because <laughs> you always I you tend it. to wear a pop of red. You know, you tend to wear like a pop of red with black or pop of red with white. So I was like, you know what? Um, this is it. This is what I'm gonna I'm gonna do. And then when I I bought it from a, a, a Etsy shop, I don't know if she's still on there. That was a long time ago. I have to look, but I bought it from an Etsy shop and she didn't know what I was doing with it. And then when I told her, she was like, oh, I was like, no, no, I'm mixing those two. She thought I was going to mix it where my traditional way, where part of it's this and part of it's that. I'm like, no, the top is this, the bottom is that. You know, and which was unexpected. I actually love that dress. I still have that dress. I love that dress. (laughs) I think there's a lot to love. It's yeah, gorgeous. It's, uh, it's it's just Sherry Shepherd has that dress. I love that dress. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that about like your celebrity sewing. Like, what was that like? So let's t- we're gonna take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we'll continue talking with Malaysia Anderson um, about sewing for Sherry Shepherd, um, about the Etsy commercial that she did, um, and what she's working on next. So stay tuned. Hey friends, you know by now that I really appreciate a good milestone and we are about to hit a really good one. Black Women's Stitch is about to turn two years old. This is our second birthday coming up on July 19th and we're just so delighted and so grateful for the growth of this community and for the flourishing of this podcast. So we want to make a few more wishes. You can find out more about these wishes in the show notes. I'll list them there, but let me just share a couple. Ones that circulate around the number 50. Um, My 50th birthday was this year and like many people, the celebration was a bit muted because of the plans had been canceled. Um, But with the number 50 is still my year and I am going to claim this year and here's a couple things else I wanted to claim. Um, 50 Patreon subscribers. Right now we have 26 and I would love to get to 50 by my birthday. We're already halfway there. Um, I'd love to get there by the Stitch Please birthday which will be on July 19th. So we've got some days. Um, As little as $2 a month is really very helpful. Um, So thank you so much for considering it. Also, 50,000 podcast downloads. We are very, very close to that, way more than halfway there. Um, So I think it just takes a couple more little pushes and nudges um, to share the podcast to get us to that 50,000 mark. So thank you again for listening to this podcast. We never would have gotten to this point without you. Thank you for making that happen. And do check the show notes for more details for some of our birthday wishes. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch. And my guest today is Malaysia Anderson of Lily's Creations. And she's going to talk about her celebrity sewing, um, that the, 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 the signature dresses and the things that she does in terms of color combinations and work with African fabrics and the Afro Bell dress is um, it reached the eye of Sherry Shepard. 
Um, and so can you talk a bit about what that was like? I remember seeing her wearing that on TV and I was like, oh, I know the person that made that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It was really exciting. Awesome. So can you, it was. it was exciting for me and I didn't even do it. So <laughs> can you talk about that process? Um, it was actually, I, I, I never really actually looked for celebrity, uh, you know, her or any celebrity to um, wear my items. Uh, she found me on Etsy. Um, I actually didn't know it was her at first because she was buying under a, a, another name. And then she told me, um, I'm not sure how she found me. I don't know if she found me. She We do now, so I don't know if it I'm sorry, could you, could you say that last part again? Did you say you do follow each other now? We do follow each other on Instagram now and from that point on, but I'm not sure if she found me through Instagram or if she did a search on Etsy and found me. Uh, that way. I'm not really sure which way. So it wasn't something that I I uh, like sought out or I, it wasn't that. It was always just organic. It, you know, it came to me and all of the not that I have a massive amount, but the few that I have had the opportunity to make things for it's been very organic where they where I'm approached with with that as opposed to me um doing some sort of special thing to make that happen. Um, and her first initial buy was, I believe, like some bell skirt sets. I used to have a bells, and I still do it from time to time, just not as much, um, where I have the matching Lily Girl t-shirt and the skirt that that goes, t-shirt and skirt set. I think that was her first one. And then she bought uh, my eye address and... She has that. That's that dress is uh, called the Malkia Bell dress, which is the red and white and black dress. Um, and what's beautiful about her and my dresses is her shape is the perfect shape for that dress because I balance it balances her out. She's a she's uh, broader and then she goes in and narrows out in the hip. So a fuller skirt on her balances out her top which makes her waist look smaller so she picked one you know dress like a high waist is good for her because it narrows her in and full fuller on the bottom fills her out because her she doesn't have hips to fill her out and it gives her the perfect hour glass shape in the clothes um so it was just a very organic thing super exciting um, that she has a number of my pieces. She's really amazing person. Uh, Felicia Leatherwood has some of my pieces who does hair for like Issa Rae. And um, she's an amazing natural hair designer. I, I, I've always followed her, love her. So sweet, so very nice. Um, Gugu Atkins, Erica Campbell's sister has a few of my pieces. And it's always really organic. A lot of it came through uh, Instagram and Etsy. I've been on Etsy for, for uh, since 2013. And that really was the only platform I sold at. So it made it easy for people to find you because they are, there's only one place to look. I do have my own website now as well. But I've had that one thing for a long time. But that's it was very, very organic. And I I think that, you know, 
the Bible says your gift will make room for you and put you before great men. If you exercise that type of integrity in the things that, in the gift that you're using, then things like that will just happen. You don't really have to manipulate it to happen. It it just will happen on its own. And that gives it a sense of uh, authenticity. And it's the same thing with the uh, the Etsy commercials and that same thing. The Etsy commercial is I, I, hands down the best thing that's probably happened to me in a pandemic. <laughs> so right. so can, you, can, can you talk about this? So I'm going to include a link um, to the Etsy commercial. Um, I, I, okay. Wait, is it, is it, is, is it clickable and linkable like that? I definitely want yes, to. It is. Let it's on, um, it's on YouTube. Um, there's, there's a short version and a long version of the commercial. Um, um, it's on their Etsy page. If you, if you, I can also give you the, the, the link for it. Perfect. Perfect. Cause I think that, so that I want to, I'm going to include all the, the links to things that we've been talking about here, um, in the show notes so people can kind of, mm-hmm. um, can follow up and, and see these things for yourself. But the Etsy commercial was, it, I feel like I just learned so much about you. I thought it was just beautifully shot. I thought you looked amazing. Um, and the pat your passion for what you're doing really came through. Can you talk about how that came about? I know, for example, I know you said you've been on Etsy since 2013, so that's like seven years from that for uh, seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and some say that it can be really difficult to make mm-hmm. yourself stand out on Etsy, um, and you managed to do that. So, can you talk about how that commercial came about? Okay. Um... You're right. It is. I, I, I've been on it for uh, a long seven years. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, I think that Etsy has it's evolved. Um, I think it is definitely probably harder now um, than when I first did it. And I feel like Instagram was easier as well. I feel that part of my build was I built through social media. Um, so I drove uh, the traffic to my Etsy shop through social media. So it's a 50-50 split. 50% came from Etsy and my 50% came from me and consistency. So that was a big part. The Etsy commercial itself was really derived from a seller story that was done on me um, right after my 50th birthday. and they came to my house and we shot the seller story inside of my room where I actually sold. Um, you couldn't shoot there now because it looks like a fabric disaster. <laughs> but then it was picture perfect. And so they took um, clips of that seller story and they put it um, in the commercial. So it when the seller story came out, I think the first thing that I actually really noticed, I was like, this looks like a commercial before it was ever even a commercial. Just the way it, it just was done, the interview process, um, and just certain aspects of it. The editing of it was just, it was amazing. Um, and so while a, co- a couple of weeks ago, um, they reached out to me and said, you know, we want, they were doing a, a Etsy commercial and they wanted to use, you know, part of my story in the commercial. Who's turning that down? I'm not turning that down. 
great. You don't know what how it's going to be used. You don't know how much of right. they're going to use. You don't know anything like that because it has they have used clips of my story over the years. He um the CEO spoke about me um in a CNBC interview as an example. You just don't know the impact that you're going to make. I've been to Etsy a, a couple times. I've done events at F- Etsy through um, their um, their bridge organization, which bridge actually focuses on the African-American sellers that are on Etsy. Um, really? Yes. So Etsy is very, has some very unique aesthetics to it and things that you don't realize until you actually get to see some of it in person, uh, you know, and that's kind of how the commercial came about. Now, I had no idea, really, absolutely no idea that they were going to use so much of me, which was like amazing. I thought, oh, they'll use a hand, you know, <laughs> <laughs> me at the sewing machine, me at the the sewing machine. you know, like a blurb. Like, I thought it would just be like, Poop. I, I really didn't know it was going to be, which those two aspects were kind of like my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the story is when, you know, you know, I fan out the fabric and I'm actually looking, I'm fluffing a customer's dress where you see me bend down and I'm smiling. I'm really fluffing the dress while they're shooting it. And it was a real customer's dress. It was her, her, that was Melanie's, Melanie will be excited when she hears this interview. It was Melanie's dress in that, uh, and that story, and then the fabric um, that I'm fanning is from House of Mommy Water, which is an Etsy seller. I love yes, her. Yes, I know her. I've um, used her she's fabric amazing. as well. She's her. so sweet, too. She's just she's a nice her. person. Yes, yes. So, and I think the the reason why my story tends to get embraced so much by Etsy is because I'm an Etsy seller and I'm an Etsy buyer. And not everyone does that. I buy and I sell in the platform that I sell on. So I utilize other Etsy sellers through my whole building of, you know, what I do from anything. It could be a pattern. It could be the labels that I make, that I put inside my clothes. Those originated from an Etsy seller. So every aspect of what I do at some point has a woman involved or a small brand involved, whether it be my jewelry, a fascinator. It's at some point in any design or styling that I do, it's from a a woman or a very small business. So being involved in that commercial and seeing it come like that was just really, you know, I was, I was crazy. Like everybody else, like, Oh my God, I can't believe it because I really thought they was just going to use a hand. I I had no idea. They don't tell you. They just say, we're going to use you. And then you just, you don't know how it's going to be. So it was, it was definitely, um, it was amazing that it's almost like you're taking your customers and the people you work with, with you in this moment, because they're in it too. That's her fabric. That's my customer's dress. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, it was it's def- it was definitely amazing. But that's really how it came about. It, it started from a seller story that was done a couple of years ago. And then they just, as amazing as editing is, and then they, they created this commercial. 
and use clips of my story inside of it. And that's kind of how that came to be. That is re- that really is fantastic. That is such a, and the way that you talk about it as a way to bring your customers with you and to bring your suppliers with you and that you have this kind of really comprehensive approach to your brand. Um, that, you know, that you, you, you said you sell on Etsy, but you also buy your things from Etsy. And so you are supporting small businesses, even as you are building um, different collections over the years and things like that. Um, and I definitely see that like some of the collections, like the names of your collections, um, that you really are very interested in this kind of communal community spirit. Um, and so I wondered if you could talk a bit about what does it mean to build a collection? How do you um, transition from year to year or season to season? Are you interested, like I know you were saying before, how you start with the fabric and let the fabric tell the story. But over the years, you've made like you had so many different collections. <laughs> do you have like a favorite? Do you have... Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that's possible for a designer to say, I like this one thing I've done more than another thing that I've done. How do you even tell? I can say that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I think my dresses are my favorite. Now I do have some dresses. I have one dress that I'm just, I I don't know. I just feel dreamy in it. And that's my, uh, MK bell dress, which means wife. And, uh, that particular dress is, it's made out of that starburst dashiki fabric. It's got an open back. It has lace. The skirt is just dumb big. It's just bigger than big. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just, that dress is just everything to me. And that was like a, my 20, out of my 2016 fall collection. I, it's just dreamy. It, when you put it on, it's just dreamy. And that's the only way I can describe it. I, you just, you just feel like a, like a African queen in it. And so, yeah, I, I do have favorites. I think every collection, I have a piece that I love. Uh, last spring's collection was my kimono. I love that thing. I love it. I love the way it was shot. I love the colors. I, I just love the whole thing. Uh, and then I and then my I had, I think, last spring, my polka dot uh, jumpsuit. The most yes. fabulous, comfortable I mean, you could go shopping in that thing. You you can go to brunch in that thing. Like, it was just comfortable. The, the pants leg is all super wide, so you're not constricted. But you throw it on and you look like you done, you know, took a million hours to get ready. You did nothing. Put it on. Um, and, and I'm looking at the, the, the polka dot now. Um, I think this is a photo shoot and you're sitting in. Um, in a red uh, like chair. Yeah. Yes. That's the one. That's the one. Can we talk a bit about your photography? And you said that your photographer is a wizard um, because he (laughs) makes you look really tall. And so, yes, that is, he definitely does make you look tall because I am am now today years old learning that you are not tall. Um, And, uh, but like this, it's so many different, I always know that it's you, you know, whether you're wearing like this um, pant uh, mix this pant blouse mix and you have like, you're, you're standing on a ladder. Mm-hmm. It's kind of really industrial or um, it could be really kind of organic where you're out, like standing on a, a bridge or sitting on a bench or in a car. Like how do you, 
like what is your philosophy around your photo shoots or how you are expressing um, all these looks through photography? Well, early on, um, when I first got started, um, my co-worker modeled some of my pieces and uh, she had one of her photographers, uh, Eric Levine, who's based out of Massachusetts, um, shoot me as a pay it forward type of thing. And so when he did that, um, I realized how important photography was because every single item that he had shot, he did three pieces, two dresses and a skirt that sold out. And that's kind of what made me say, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to invest in like real photography. Um, but I, you know, I was a little brand. It's not like I felt like I couldn't afford a model. And so I, I figured I'll use myself. I'm always available and I'm free. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how that part of it. Um, I used to use another photographer named Ricky Allen in my beginning days. Um, amazing photographer as well. Amazing. Um, and now I use uh, Adiron Mother Sill. They're both on Instagram, so you can always follow them, check out their work. Um, but with Adiron, uh, we... I'm usually the thinker. I'm always like, where can I shoot? Where can I shoot? Where can I shoot? Type of thing. Um, so I'm always grinding on where we're going to do on my next photo shoot. Where is it going to be? I did kind of feel, I don't really like, or I don't, I don't feel as comfortable shooting inside on flat backgrounds. It just feels very weird to me. Um, okay. So I tend to like to be outside. I like to be in parks and bridges and um, and things like that. That my last spring shoot was actually in a B and B in Brooklyn. Yes. You would never oh, know that. Wow. You would never think that was in Brooklyn. So I rented the the B and B um, with approval from the owner, and I I did my photo shoot in it. And it was I loved it. It was very first of all I stayed in the B and B after, so that was great. And but it had a, a, a working light. vacation. Was, yes, I needed it. <laughs> It has such a, a a lifestyle feel. I feel like I I like that blogger look, that lifestyle blogger look. I really like that look. I, oh, I just, there's something about that look that I feel just gives the clothes a more real life approach to it, which is probably why I don't particularly feel comfortable in like flat backgrounds. I feel like my clothes just tend to do more. Like, I feel like if I was... In that kimono, standing on a white background, you'd have been like, okay. But yet, I'm in the kimono and I'm sitting on the steps, or I'm in the kimono and I'm sitting on the bed. I don't know, it just made more sense to me. It just interprets better to me. Um, And Adamon, he does make me look tall. He actually does make me do things that I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I got to sit on that ledge, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to stand on the edge of the rock thing by the waterfall. Listen, you know, he, he, <laughs> he <needs> shoes. <laughs> yes. And, and then they laugh because I, I, I want to squat down first and then stand up. Cause I feel like that's going to create some level of balance for me. Um, he, he definitely has pushed me. And I guess because I have been using him for so long, I'm so comfortable around him that now I don't, it's not, I don't think as heavy about it as I did when I 
when I first uh, started out. Cause I, and you have a, found, a found appreciation for, for people who do this as a living because it's a lot of work. It, and, um, you're standing and changing clothes and, you know, I have great makeup artists. My makeup artist, Vanessa, um, she, I use her now. She always makes me look extra pretty. I'm like, hey, you know, um, I drag my friends into it from time to time to help dress me so I don't end up rumpled. Um, right, so it's like, right, you know, right. It, it's, it's because I'm not, I'm the model. I can't stand back and look like That's other right. designers. So it's almost like I, I rely on the photographer a lot more because he almost has to be my eyes and his eyes too at the same time. Right. And um, so we just kind of go from there. I do pick out the shoots. Uh, my last shoot, fall shoot was at um, Eisenhower Park, which is in um, Minio, um, East Meadow, uh, Long Island. Sometimes I, I drag them out my way. Most times I'm shooting in Jersey. Every once in a while I rebel and drag them my way. Um, and they have to come out to Roosevelt yeah, Island. Yes. And I did actually, in 2016, I did actually shoot in my room, at my house, by my house, and around my house. Um, and that vintage car that you referred to was my daddy's caddy. That was my father's Oh, car. my word. Yeah. So... Which I will forever love that shoot because it was like a year before he passed. And he actually got to see me shoot. Because usually I leave, no one sees it, you know, then I come home and then they see the pictures afterwards. But they actually got to watch the the whole process and, and that was pretty amazing. So it, it's just a combination of... Uh, looking at the clothes and just wanting to be outside and um, and kind of going from there. So every place is different. There's only one time we've maybe shot in the same place, maybe twice. Other than that, it's someplace different all the time. Everything looks very different. It all looks very, you know, broad and beautiful and um, really just a, a, a wonderful sense of style. Now, can you tell us um, any advice for any emerging designers, people who um, might not, you know, like might want to know like how to get started and do they need to go to school? Do they need to like, what do you think people need um, to get started along the same kind of path toward designing and building a brand? And I mean, I think that you have such, uh, a, a story of of grit and determination, um, as well as just remarkable skills and creativity. So, like, what what would you imagine you could pass on to someone who is you know is where you were you know maybe twenty years ago? I think um, the biggest thing is to is to remain focused. Um, I know across the years I would focus on it, not focus on it, leave it, put it down, pick it back up, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that if you know that it's something that you love, definitely focus on it, even if it's just a little bit every day. Uh, don't be afraid to hone your skills and practice the things that you're not that great at. Um, because the more you do, the better um, you will be. 
stay more true to your yourself. I didn't ever try to be something else. I just kind of stayed true to the things that I liked the most um, and kind of went from there. And it, I feel like that organic love for it is what helps other people love it. And they see that authenticity. I, I think that's really a big thing. Um, Follow people that, you know, you you admire because they can, whether they are able to give an encouraging word or they're able to, even in just them sharing themselves to their followers, there's things that you can learn. Uh, consistency is really, really important, whether it's consistently sewing or consistently posting or create create things that on, you know, calendars for yourself. Like, uh, if if every Tuesday you want to be able to reach out to your followers and you feel like you want to say something, create a special day to do certain things so that you're able to be consistent. I know I want to wear a hat wrap on Wednesday for Rapid Wednesday, so I'm consistent. I like to do Talk Tuesday and just share something that might motivate somebody, you know, or on a Monday or Thursdays or throwbacks, you know, and so on Friday, you know. So if you do things that are consistent, what you want to present, you're able to build a, a cohesiveness. And I think that, that that is definitely important, especially with how everything, the algorithms are so difficult now. It was probably a lot easier when I started than they are now. But that consistency that I built then helps now. If, I, if you don't start that way, you're not going to finish that way. So those are the, the things that I think are the most um, important. And be careful who you share, you know, your dream with. You know, be mindful. If don't share, don't share everything with someone who you know is not going to encourage you. Keep it to your chest, because it's your gift, and God gives each of us a gift. It's our moral responsibility to Him to use it. So, don't treat it like, yeah. You know, treat it like the prize that it is, because He can take that and then turn it into something you never would have imagined. I didn't jump into, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't, I didn't, I didn't think that. It just happened that way. And sometimes that's how, maybe that's how it should be. Or you would talk yourself out of it, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. So don't be afraid, you know? Stay, that there's going to be things that are scary. There's going to be things that you, you can't control. There are going to be times where you're going to want to cry. There are going to be highs. There are going to be lows. You're going to want to quit. Facts. You're going to want to quit. I, I I can tell you how many times I want to quit. I can tell you how many times I want to close my Etsy shop. I can taste the quit. Don't quit. If I quit, I wouldn't have been in the Etsy commercial. I wouldn't have had my Etsy shop because I would have closed it because I felt like quitting and I was tired. And here we are. You see? So just wow. when it feels... Because sometimes quitting can feel so tangible that you will quit. Don't quit anyway. And that's the best advice I can say. Because there's going to be times that you could taste it. You could taste it. You could envision, okay, if I stop, this is what I'll be doing. Don't stop. Because you just don't know when the corner is going to turn. That's right. We are in the middle of a pandemic. I wanted to quit six months ago, three months ago. 
And I have made more money in the pandemic than I made all of last year. What if I quit? Wow. Wow. So, and I wanted to quit. I'm <laughs> no lies told. I was just going to be like, you know what? I'm done. That's it. That's, That's it. it. I'll just sew for myself. I don't have time for this. I just, I, you know, it's not going the way I want. I'm tired. You know, everybody's buying clothes for $5. They, they think my clothes should be $5. It's not possible. I can't do that. You know, I, and I just want to. You don't have to. And you don't right. have to. Right. But you feel so frustrated that you're you're almost like you're losing control. It's almost like I, I really felt like I was watching it die in front of me. And that was just so painful that I was like, I'm just gonna quit because I, I can't I can't watch it. I just can't watch it just decline and die in front of me. Like it's almost like a baby. Like I'm doing everything yeah. I can to to resuscitate the baby, to care for the baby, to nurture the baby, but the baby's still getting sick and the baby's still dying. And I'm like, well, I, I'm just gonna quit. But I didn't. So the best advice I I could give is 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 that. And wow. pray because entrepreneurship without some sort of spiritual sustenance, you will quit. <laughs> because you gotta have something outside of yourself that's going to pull you along. Pull you along. Other than that, I mean, the ride is just like the top of the roller coaster and you keep hitting the top and dropping at 85, 90 miles an hour and you ain't got no control. So. Wow. That would be my Well, best on thing. that note, I just want to thank you so much for this conversation. And I mean, I feel like this has been quite a word, um, especially about hanging in there, about consistency, about surrounding yourself with people who aren't going to, um, push you down when you already feel down, mm -hmm. um, you know, having people that are going to help to, to lift you up and also just believing in yourself, mm -hmm. um, and not quitting even when you can taste it. That when you said I could taste the quit, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have been there. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I'm sure many people have. And yeah. so thank you so much for this. Now tell us where we can find you on the socials. So people who are not yet following can follow you. Okay. On Instagram, my Instagram is Lily's Creations. That's L-I-L-I-S Creations underscore L-I-L-I-814. Um, on Facebook, it's Lily's uh, Creative Design. And I'm on Etsy which is www.lilicreations.etsy.com. And I also have my own website, which is www.lilicreations.girl.com. And that's where you can follow me, shop with me, find me. Um, I try to be as very responsive. You can always hit me up in my DM. If you have questions, um, I'm available. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been really great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute joy to my
Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening to the, pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, you send me your mailing address to my email either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week and we will help you get your stitch together.